J.B. Hunt misses analysts' first quarter earnings and revenue estimates. Truckload carriers' first quarter results don't appear to be in jeopardy after the J.B. Hunt report. Martin Transport reports best ever net increase of more than 30% in first quarter of 2019. What gets hauled to Vegas stays in Vegas. For Freight Tech headlines, we have Freight Tech investment surges in 2019. Value Act Capital believes that Nikola Motor Company is a game changer in the freight industry. On-demand warehousing startup Flowspace raises a $12 million Series A. And Singapore collaborates with Volocopter to add air taxis to its skyline. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. Triumph Pay is the leading carrier payment platform in transportation. With over 50,000 carriers paid, Triumph Pay helps to drive capacity, efficiency, and cash flow for brokers and shippers. Visit triumphpay.com to learn more. Yes, it's great to be here. Zach Strickland, Sultan of Sonar and Earnings Analyst here with us. Hey, guys. So great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's play a little bit of What You Drinking. Sick action, bro, dude. Um, I am sipping on a little Harpeth Brewing something. I, I really don't even know what the name is. Upstream. Upstream. An upstream. It's a San Fran lager. We're all sipping on an upstream. It's a San Fran lager. It's a, Actually, it's one of the only American uh, original beers. It uh, does. Style. It literally says San Fran. I thought. Why did I think they were from Nashville? Oh, because they. they uh, yeah, the, it's a Nashville. San Fran Lager style. is a style. Anchor, anchor it's Brewing an anchor Company. Yeah, anchor Steam style. Well, I just kind of fell into this. It's a little six bit darker than a typical lager, right? I fell into this six mm-hmm. pack, man. I tell you what, lagers are hard to do. They're hard to do. You got to keep it at fifty five or below the whole brewing process. Lot invested in that. Are, Not an easy a, way to a, go. Is a normal lager like like Budweiser? Is that a lager? It is a it's lager. A, it's more of I feel like it's I, a I'd pilsner, like which is a, which is a check a check yeah. lager. I mean, well they uh, they. I mean, well, the, the why name ask lager, a question that you already know the answer yeah. to? Well, lagers come from German, which means to store or storage. Is that right? It's uh, it, there, yeah. Th- well, so that's what we're drinking, and it is uh, <laughs> d- d- uh, delightful uh, and, and frightful at the same time. Yep. Earning season uh, is back, baby. Yeah. Yeah, but before we get to that, JP, you just went to Orlando for something oh, really fun. Oh, did I? <laughs> uh, you just got back from the TIA. I yeah, don't know the full name of the conference. Transportation Intermediaries Association, which is basically the big the big broker ho- hoedown. I went to it last year in. Oh, you did. Palm I didn't know desert yeah how was that well that was a year ago and we talked about it here on what the truck but let's talk about what you went through right now man how, how did it go man what any any takeaways <clears throat> yeah um it was really interesting um i got to hang out with uh you know a couple uh you know trusted sources and, and friends of mine in the, in the brokerage industry uh a lot of brokers out of chicago a lot of people from chattanooga down there it's all chad eichelberger down there any on, any themes and takeaways and stuff um, <clears throat> i think uh one theme for me actually uh more interesting than you know meeting all the small little brokers who are worried about convoy never afraid more interesting than that <laughs> to me was um really learning more about the sort of ancillary services that other companies offer to freight brokerages to help them unlock high growth. And I'll just hmm. briefly mention two of those. One of them was um, this um, uh, Colombian-American guy, uh, Roberto Cadena, who has this company called Lean Staffing Solutions that basically they have all these huge call centers throughout Colombia that do a lot of administrative calls and inbound carrier calls, weekend and night dispatch, track and trace, compliance, collections, stuff like that for U.S. logistics companies. And that was really interesting. You know, they, they, they offer about a 40% cost savings on the, on the position um, all in. But um, they said that what's interesting about it is that you actually get a better quality person in Colombia than you would for the same kind of hourly call center job in the U.S. because of the lack of economic opportunity in Colombia. These are, these are bilingual, ambitious college graduates who are excited to work for a U.S. company. Wow. They're in branded offices, so it'll say, you know, like, 
you know, whatever, like like Molo or Arrive or or Nolan Transportation Group on the office. All of their stuff is like they, they connect through VPN to your actual systems, and it's all segregated. Um, it's it's really cool and and. Uh, brokerage going globular. Yeah, the, and freight brokerage tapping into global labor markets. And so they've they've grown about 1,400% in the past three years. That seems um, all right. That means it's fine. <laughs> so they're up to about 650 people. Um, they've got another 100 in training. They take them through a really rigorous logistics course. The guy who owns the company uh, built up a freight brokerage and sold it. Um, so he knows had some you know. capital maybe to work with. So that was one really interesting, you know, got to spend some time with um, Robert, r- really fun guy, um, you know, got to meet some of his, his clients and, you know, just, it, it was, it was cool. Um, the other people I met were from a bank called, uh, so um, John Marinson and Jason Lavoie um, of Wintrust Bank in Chicago. And, they also spe- specialize in services for brokerages. And what they do is they do this, what's called um, asset-based lending. So they, ta- they have collateral and they, they uh, lend money to these brokerages. <laughs> and what they do is they, they basically- Like a bank. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not like a typical commercial line of credit. Because when you think about a, a fast growth brokerage, you're talking about um, you know, com- companies that have really tight uh, cash flows because they have to pay their carriers before their shipper customers pay them. So the more business, the faster they're growing, the tighter that gets. And so what Wintrust does is they lend them up to 90% of their accounts receivable. Um, annual yield on this kind of line of credit is 6 to 8%. Not crazy. Not a 23% normal kind of credit card. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and you only, as they make this credit facility available to you, and you only pay interest as you draw from it. And then it grows with your accounts receivable, whatever your accounts receivable. So if you're growing 100%, if you're doubling every year, like a lot of these like young brokerages do, then you're just getting more and more access to capital to fuel that. Um, and you know they have a lot of customers um, in in Chicago, and it was it was neat to just kind of meet. And the, the, you know, they were in the process of negotiating a deal with some other brokers that were at TIA and I got to kind of hang out with them, sort of watch them interact and, and, and talk about things. So that was, that was, I mean, I think for me, that was kind of the theme was like all of the different uh, enablers of high growth for, for brokerage. No, I like that. I like that last one because having been a financial analyst for a little while, the, uh, the idea of having, not having cash for people that are growing fast is, is you know, all it is is essentially they're having to pay people faster than they're getting paid. Yeah. And that's why they have to have somebody give them money to help them grow faster. Otherwise, they rarely I, have enough cash on hand to make enough transactions. Yeah, it, it slows you down a lot because you have to, you have to hold, you have to build. I've heard up, about this, yes. Mm-hmm. You have to build up a reserve of cash larger than you would normally do, and you could be using that to develop technology or hire exactly. more brokers or do whatever, but instead you've got to keep it just in case your big shipper customer screws you over and doesn't pay you for an extra 30 days or, you know, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was pretty interesting. And, you know, it's, if, if you want to blow up and grow into like a, a 500 million, $600 million brokerage, like there's different ways of doing it, but this gives you more flexibility than factoring because they're giving you the money instead of paying it to the carrier. And it gives you more control than doing an equity raise and selling to private equity or VC. Absolutely, yeah. So you get to own 100% of your, your company. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty compelling. Um, these are two guys, you know, they came from Wells Fargo. They're a wind trust. They kind of specialize in this product and in this industry. They know it very well. Um, and it was cool to talk to them and their, and their customers. Well, that's really cool. Apparently, those two um, those two companies and 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 personalities they they seem to have left a mark. They uh, just got a pretty big shout out right here. Uh, sounds yeah. interesting and, to me. And R- Roberto is going to be at um, Transparency Nineteen. Great. Yes, and as a matter of fact, Transparency Nineteen. 
is going to be our super awesome hot logistics freight tech innovation conference coming up May 6th through 8th. I've said it a lot of times. I hope that's the right date. Uh, it's going to be uh, in Atlanta, Georgia at the Georgia International Convention Center. We'd like to see you there. Right now, uh, people, it's like a hockey stick. People are like just jumping in. Uh, I th- we just crossed the 700 registrations threshold. And it's uh, if, if, you, if you like to say that you are where it's all at and where it's happening, well, you better be there. It's going to be exciting. You know, one of the things, too, guys, um, you know, we do uh, uh, What the Truck, our now award-winning podcast, if I may say so. Um, <laughs> wow. um, like, uh, what, what the Truck uh, actually did lead to uh, an opportunity to partner with Sirius XM Radio, and we've been doing it for a couple of months now. And, uh, you know, we uh, this this last week, we, we had some great, really f- compelling, I have to say, conversations with, well, none other than Craig Fuller, but also a number of others, uh, and one of them in particular, and this is a segue to our next headline, um, Scott Group, um, the managing director um, and senior transportation analyst at Wolf Research, he said, well, we, we were like, well, what, well, what's coming up, man? Like, like what, what are you, you guys listening to? What, what's, what's the word on Wall Street? And he was like, well, you know, the most important company to look at is J.B. Hunt in their very first report because he was like, they, they, they're, they're coming out Monday. They're, they're one of the early reporters, and they are, you know, they're so big. They've got a lot of different businesses, and, uh, you know, it's intermodal. It's pricing. It's truckload. It's, it's uh, dedicated. Brokerage. And he's, yeah, brokerage, exactly, and uh, and and he's like that gives us an overview of the different pieces that we're going to be listening to within the the transportation landscape. They're like a bellwether of what to expect. Yeah, and so and so sure enough, JB Hunt has come out with some interesting um, reports, and, and I'm I, you know like guys, I, I, like I've said, like for me, earnings reports, it's been an acquired taste, but mm-hmm. we are here with. Um, certainly an expert in earnings, and, and also JP. It wasn't an acquired taste. He is, he, he's he's really into. He's been really into it from the beginning as well. So you guys, like, why don't you give us an overview of what you think? And I'm gonna add some of my little sauce, some of my little questions to like. I I, I don't know. I don't know if it's really as dour as as you know. It's it seems to be in some some ways. Yeah, I I I read this. I mean, and they're they, of course they came out disappointing. And anytime you know they're judged against expectations by industry analysts, so those analysts are essentially setting a stock price in the future when they when they come out with their earnings or, or their expectations. And when they come in below those expectations, the idea is everybody trades it back down. You know, they sell off when it doesn't hit the earnings call. That doesn't always happen, but. Yeah, and can and I can, can I just add like and and I think you and I we were just talking a minute ago like mm-hmm. who sets these expectations? A, I mean, <laughs> a a dollar twenty five a share. It's I mean, a, it was it, way over what they had already been doing. I, I get I get their math and and the you way do? that they do that. Okay. I mean, I understand it, and they they need to do it that way because they have hmm. to value recency over. Uh, historical uh, prisoners of the moment yeah and, and they have to do that that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing but there's a little bit but they of talk and these equities analysts if you know if i may they they consult with management regularly like yeah. they have oh, models they update stuff. they adjust their models they have certain things and you know their target prices are all based on a certain multiple of you know 2020 exactly. earnings or 2019 earnings yeah well, if they if they go through their earnings i just don't get share, some of the math it, it, it again, you don't. We don't need to go into that yeah, and, okay. and the math of that because I don't think anybody really needs to to get into that detail. But it's yeah, it's an EPS uh, is basically a you know a process of converting uh, earnings per share from you know what target uh, price to earnings ratios are and things like that. It's okay, <laughs> yeah, that's enough of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but you do. You, so there is some but, kind of um, formula. Yeah, saying. and and people will change their PE ratios and stuff like that, and and a lot of it okay. has to do. I mean, anytime they're talking to people at the company, the company is going to manage those expectations accordingly. They're yeah. going to tell them things that are going to lead them down a certain path. So, I mean, even internally, they're going to tell their employees the same thing. I know this because I was one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, it's it's 
you know, it, it's not necessarily as accurate as we all kind of want it to be. And this one to me mm. is a little excessive. A uh, dollar twenty-five per share from a dollar seven a year ago is that feels so aggressive. I mean, they're they're that's they're like a double-digit percentage increase no, off of a very good quarter of a very tough comp. Yeah, thinking about historically, <coughs> trucking trucking does really well to grow like five percent in a year, which is just yeah. baseline. You know, for most other industries. And while 2018 <laughs> was a crazy year, as we, I feel like, talk about each and every day right now, it was trending down from more or less in most facets since like September. Yeah, so, September was quiet. But JB Hunt has an intermodal presence there, which actually in the third and fourth quarter was quite hot. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about JB Hunt. So, it was an earnings yeah. miss. Was it a revenue miss? Uh, I think they did miss revenue as well. I can't remember exactly what they said there, but they missed they missed just about everything in terms of expectations. Right. Um, but, but they oh, were up. <laughs> that see that was my thing. Okay, so I know that JV Hunt is about um, is about what fifty percent or maybe a little bit over fifty percent intermodal, and I know their intermodal was down seven percent. But it yes. seems like in every other aspect there was some modest however modest growth yeah there was growth and so everywhere. that was to, to me i was like why is this such so bad and in fact at the end they said we're projecting things to be kind of okay in 2019 I, yeah i mean i think that the intermodal the, their exposure to intermodal can hurt them because as you know truck rates trucking rates fall apart that is going to make intermodal, uh, you know, putting a box on the rail less competitive and less compelling. Exactly, because um, we had a huge year last year, so that's actually going to help intermodal because uh, shippers are going to look to put things on the rail a lot more because pricing and trucking is going to be a lot higher, and it's going to be a lot more affordable right. to put it on and the rail. Then, and what the rails ended up having to ended up doing last year was raising their ra intermodal rates right alongside trucking, and mm -hmm. they kind of they now they're getting sort of. You know, it crossed back over essentially. Exactly. Where now it's cheaper and you get better service the truck. That's going to be that's going to be you know a headwind for intermodal volumes. But um, even in the divisions of the business where JB Hunt grew volumes, the way they did it, uh, you know, led to kind of flattish uh, net earnings growth. So I'm I'm thinking especially of the brokerage division ICS, which is integrated carrier or integrated capacity solutions. Okay. Um, their volumes were up 14.9% year over year. Their brokerage volumes were up 14.9% year over year, which is that's, great. That's tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. <Yeah. laughs> um, the revenue per load, though, dropped 11.6%. So the revenue per load was about $1,100 uh, huh. the first quarter of 2018. It dropped about $1,000 the first quarter of 2019. So what they, what they did was they knew that the spot market wasn't going to be as strong. They went out, they aggressively bid on contracted freight. To, they wanted more contracted freight volumes. They bid aggressively, so lower prices, and you know, that's, that's what you end up with. And you end up with flat earnings, on, uh, you know, flat margins and flat earnings on that. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we, what we were expecting. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we I called see. for that months ago. Well, whatever the strategy behind that, um, I think that we noticed, though, that uh, th that J.B. Hunt was making more per load in truckload. Uh, so but that that's also based on mm -hmm. increased pricing contracts. So a lot of their contracts got implemented in, you know, probably late first quarter okay. last year. And throughout the year, they might have actually implemented another rate increase if they were, uh, you know, a lot of them were expecting at least two to three rate increases last year. Uh, so they could have actually implemented a few more rate increases throughout that process. I see. So that's why you're going to see an increased revenue per load aspect on there, necessarily not necessarily increasing volume in the first quarter. So, but so they're making more on anyway. You, that was interesting about the brokerage mm -hmm. play, yeah. um, and and so. Uh, and I don't know what what was behind that, but it sounds like they 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 were making moves. But no, maybe. that's a totally natural process. Anytime that the market stabilizes and falls into more balance, the contracted freight, the dedicated freight, uh, managed transportation, consistent volume becomes the play versus the transactional market and the spot market where you can go and get this huge volatility. You're going to get a lot more margins in those. 
but yeah. but you're not going to have the consistency of the contracted and managed transportation side. Yeah, and if you look at the OR for their truckload business, you can you can see how the sort of um, negative growth in rates has affected. I mean, I think what what was the OR in trucking? It was like ninety nine percent. Yeah, it was ninety eight percent. It was really high. <laughs> And that's a first quarter for trucking is, is really hard. Um, you have low yeah, utilization. Yeah, talked about that. Yeah, low utilization is a plague on the trucking industry in the first quarter. And, you know, a lot of these earnings people I noticed have added capacity. Uh, you know, they bought trucks last year, which is real. I mean, we looked at it in our own data, some of the new truck orders, record volumes last year, et cetera. Um, but to actually read about it and being reported as like, you know, J.B. Hunt added another 100 trucks here. Uh, that's that's I mean it's hard it's hard to do that as a trucking company because you have to be able to commit to utilizing those trucks yeah you're gonna have that they added a lot of trucks you don't just clear your fleet out quickly it's not like well we bought them but no we're gonna decommission another 200 when times get soft that doesn't it doesn't work that way well you know exactly let's back up a tiny bit Um, let's think about prisoner of the moment I remember last year about this time oh boy things were getting hot and they were just about to get hotter and we were all like really going like okay we were talking shipper of choice we were talking about pendulum swinging and we were like maybe the pendulum is not going to swing maybe we're in a new normal and you know and actually i I feel like if maybe we had listened to the economists (laughs) (laughs) maybe we wouldn't have like if we had really listened to the economy i don't know because like I think I think around this time and a little bit later into the into the year last year, um, like our chief economist Ibrahim Bayan was saying, he was saying, okay, th- these these factors are moving us forward, you know. But in so many terms, even at this point last year, he was saying it's not not all of these things are sustainable. Yet we went on, we got crazy, we thought new normal, and we added all of this capacity to the market. Yeah, no, and that's that's anybody it does yeah, that. I mean, yeah. they and they 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 have to like a lot of these companies are tasked with growth. <laughs> how yeah. how is oh, a trucking boy. going to grow other than building their fleet and gaining market share? That's the bottom line, right? Isn't it? And and right, and if rates are favorable, then shouldn't and you've got extra cash on hand, shouldn't you use that to buy another revenue generating? machine and rarely have carriers had the opportunity like they had last year where they had so much extra cash on hand i mean it's kind of like winning the lottery for them especially when especially the tax cut yeah a tax cut helped out a ton so they're going to be able to actually utilize these trucks regardless of um any kind of capacity changes let's bring it back to like what are they you you know and i think some ways you're saying like you could you could cite these headwinds of, of you know, or you can cite headwinds like on any given quarter uh, and make them sound pretty similar to what they're saying now. No, but these, what what are the headwinds they're saying this time? No, this this is this was a significant headwind. This was, <laughs> what, I guess I should back. Well, we've got weather. This. Yeah, we've got tariffs. <laughs> yeah, we've I'll, got what what else, guys? There's the weather, four the weather was significant too. I'll just say not just because it made it harder to move trucks, but flooding um, in the Midwest. Flooding in the Midwest really disrupted BNSF's um, network in Nebraska, Lots especially of in Nebraska. Polar vortex in February. It, well, and BNSF is what is that's the main rail used by JB Hunt to move its boxes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, okay, gotcha. Um, there were the, what else? Weather. We've got weather tariffs. Volumes were actually not so down, but they weren't up as not as much as they needed to be. Um, you know, especially when you're adding a couple of hundred trucks. Government mm-hmm. shutdown. Government shutdown was a big one that they cite, but I don't. No one. Expo- I, no one <laughs> explained exactly how yeah, that affected. Yeah, I don't. Them. I don't really buy that one so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it might have affected um, economists who yeah. were delayed in their data. Well, I mean, the um, economy is slowing compared to last year's well. Well, we're not. We're not seeing the economic as, growth is slow. Yeah, the, econ- I, the economy itself. Global, is, yeah, global yeah. for sure. It's as not well. contracting. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I mean, and a lot of our own data suggests that a lot of the uh, volume is actually moving differently than it was last year. So it's going shorter haul versus longer haul as well. But in general, which is I, which is bad for asset utilization, bad for revenue per truck per week. Yep. I, and I don't know how much I'm skipping ahead here uh, for what you guys want to talk about um, with JB JB Hunt, uh, but you know, 
I guess overall, like the the, the pro- prognostication is that there were these headwinds, and like moving into Q two now, um, which would take us up to the first half of the year, no one seems unduly alarmed. Um, they, in fact, most are like you know, it seems like we 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 anticipate some modest growth. Unfortunately, there probably will still be this added capacity factor that we'll be dealing with. And as far as anyone can see, you know, acts of God notwithstanding, um, you know, we, we, I think we, we're anticipating, for whatever anybody might take these prognostications for, like some modest continued uptick. Yeah, Is that I, fair enough to say? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think anybody's overly concerned. I don't think anybody's getting super depressed about the upcoming months because we're about to enter the busy season for freight as well. Right. So it, it's not going to get, I mean, I can't say that definitively, but it should not get worse uh, yeah, after yeah. the first quarter. Q2 is yeah. pretty much always healthier than Q1 in terms of volumes. Now, if what what would... What really matters, though, is how much slack there is in capacity and whether, whether, weather won't be a factor. A normal, se- no, 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 not, <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking weather. I was thinking, and and whether, um, you know, the volumes growth will be enough to affect capacity availability and bring rates back up. That's that's really the question. Yeah, how much they'll bring them back up. Rates will probably go back up. I mean, they're they're going to go back up. It's just a matter of how much. Magnitude. Well, you heard it right here <laughs> on what the truck rates are going up. <laughs> In I Q2. Mean, I mean, it's, from Q1. It's kind of like me predicting, you know, winter arriving around December 21st. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 basic seasonality. It's, yeah. Um um, okay. Well, uh, I think I think we beat that dead horse. No, no, <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was great. JB Hunt, Bellwether, leading us off. The, you know, actually, can I just ask one last question? Go for it, because I don't mind being in the student mode here. All right. Uh, with <laughs> J, so JB Hunt is exposed to intermodal, and yep. the, you know, mm-hmm. so is it almost like though like a strategy where they're in safe in some way yeah they might always be exposed but they're always a little bit safe because it's a hedge for sure it is yeah it is a hedge i mean intermodal is a stock like that you buy will it's, overflow to the other exactly it's it's the dedicated freight it's the it's the managed it's the contracted freight it's the same mechanism and uh inter, intermodal is to uh just basic truckload huh yeah, because okay. it's very consistent. People always need it. Um, at the same time, though, there is some indication, especially who knows what's going to unfold with the tariffs and all that, because all the intermodal freight is heavily dependent on international trade and how that works out. But right now, too, something that we we didn't talk about is the fact that a lot of this um, yeah. inter- international freight that got pulled forward in the early part of the year or in the last half of uh, 2018 was out in Los Angeles, in Savannah, et cetera. And then all of a sudden there were all these full warehouses and they're not necessarily putting it to the rail. They're moving it interregionally, which is not a rail uh, activity typically. Right. Uh, <laughs> short, medium. Short, short hauls are not a rail thing. So, And wh- what was it? J- was it an executive from JB Hunt who used the phrase something like, our customers need to like bleed off some inventory? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Before they, before we're going to see an increased, um, you know, increased rate of you know container box moves. Absolutely. The uh, I think yeah I think you're right. The uh, I think we're going to see some discounts this spring and summer too, uh, just based on the fact that we should have excess inventory in a lot of these warehouses and a lot of these customers. So I think anybody that's savvy and up on their economics should be looking for some discounts this uh, this year. Because of all the excess inventory, that's just natural process for a lot of these bigger, uh, you know, stores and customers. So it hurts consumer price indexes. Uh, that goes down, which in the minute makes the Fed uh, lower rates again, which <laughs> gives Donald Trump what he wants, which is the stock market. And the makes... pendulum swings <laughs> back the other way. We're putting all the puzzle pieces together right here, right now. It just took a little longer. Um, you know, uh, okay, so we're talking about, um, in, in our headlines, we've got uh, two other interesting, more specialty kind of freight uh, uh, stories. Martin Transport is, uh, they, they, you know, it, on the outside, you don't know, if you don't know the Wisconsin-based carrier, they are, as, if I'm not mistaken, 
more of a reefer. Like they're more. Anyway, they're a tenth. Let, let, let's say this: they're a tenth of the size of JB Hunt. In you know, I don't want to say significance, but in size, um, JB Hunt. By the way, their earnings were almost 120 million in net revenue. Ah, thank you. Um, this this year, and Martin Transport about a tenth of that. As, as I understand from reading Cl Clarissa Hawes's uh, two uh, articles here. She's one of our new editorial correspondents that's taking on trucking. So anyway, Martin, though, is blowing it out of the water. Um, and, and in a minute, we will get to, in a, mo in a few moments, we'll get to also uh, Dean Croak's amazing article about Las Vegas and flatbed. But <clears throat> so let's hit Martin. Oh, I love this one. I love Martin because yeah? they they actually declined uh, in terms of year over year quarterly revenue. Oh. But <laughs> but they're so you're like putting the twist on the. the oh, I love it because the OR actually went up on a revenue decline. This uh, former pricing. Analyst. Yeah, that's one of your hobby horses. You love when when sales guys <laughs> turn freight down because it's not profitable. Oh, it's so fantastic to see this. This this to me is a huge signal of operational efficiency. If you can lower your revenue and increase your profit margin, uh, that's a dream for a pricing guy. That means that you yeah. have discipline. You are able to operate effectively. You're not getting outside of your uh, you know comfort zone too much. Uh, it also shows a little bit of foresight. Um, because that's that's hard to do in transportation. It's hard to see what's coming up next. And these guys, you don't just change your operational uh, activities uh, overnight. You know, there has to be yeah. some sort of planning. So there had to have been some sort of directive here that kept these guys tight within their uh, the way that they operate. No doubt. I mean, it's almost like what I was kind of asking about, like, you know, a few moments ago about, like, just can't we... Like, like, if we would listen to the economist, if we would like pay attention to history and not just be prisoners of the moment. Um, so, okay, so what do they do, guys? What's the lead here? Just it's a, it's a short article. There's well, not a lot of analysis. What do they do? What's what? What are the facts? Well, just to give clarity, the operating ratio was ninety two point seven last year. They went to a ninety one point one. So, so one hundred fifty basis point improvement year over year. That is. So they, I, I can't emphasize how big of a move that is. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you brought your ERA down yeah. a little bit. No, you know, no. For a trucking company it, that, you know. Of that size. Of, that, of any size. Of when any you, size. When you move your OR that much and, and a, a quarter over quarter, that's tremendous, especially when the really? market is softening. Like, I can't emphasize huh. that enough. Wait, wait. That's cool. That's good analysis. Right but here that's, you, that's year over year, though, not quarter over quarter. No, it was quarter over quarter. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was first quarter 2018 versus this year. Oh, that, that was, so, that's, oh, so that's year over year. Then. Yeah, I thought, year over year, but oh, quarter you, over quarter. I thought you meant sequentially. No, like, no, 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 no. I no, thought no, it was not, year over I'm year. Sorry. It's year over year. It's 2018 it first quarter versus 2019. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, especially especially because, again, very, very tough comps, and we're going to hear that phrase um, all year, really, um, in these earnings calls. Basically, people saying that, like, hey, you can't expect me to grow my net earnings that much compared to 2018, which is one of the best years ever for trucking. So the fact that, yeah. the, the fact that they're running more efficiently than they were first quarter of 2018, which was unexpectedly and ridiculously hot for freight, um, if you, you, I mean, you guys remember. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was a prisoner of that moment. Yeah. Uh, I almost like, though, with all this year-over-year year stuff, I'm starting to want, like, when people do the year-over-year, year, I'm wanting to throw 2018 out. I'm wanting to like I'm wanting a more uh, I'm wanting more of a lay of the land. As a, as a data guy, you can't do that. I can't <laughs> you do can't that. do it. You can't. It do happened. It. I mean, people throw out. Happened. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's so close to the vest. Now, if we're five years down the road and things don't go back or change yeah. at all, then yeah, you can throw it out as an anomaly. But and, and if you're in 2017, you don't you can't just throw out 2016. No, exactly. Right? As bad right, as that right. was, right? Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Okay. No, well, if if anything, the the new normal actually means it's a lot more volatile. Uh, ooh, we've we've yeah. we've we've swung so far so fast. And the, cycle, the cycle is is increased magnitude, decreased duration. Yeah, that's that's a thing. I which mean, is deep thought. It's hard, so it's hard to be efficient in that kind of environment. No, especially for uh, an industry that relies heavily on operational consistency. 
which is hard to do. I mean, that's it's when yeah. you're when you're trying to figure out. I need to go from point A to point B to point C consistently and every day, and then all of a sudden the you know the weather. There's hurricane every other day. Like you can't. It's there's hard a hurricane, to manage. There's, there's yeah. trade stuff. Yeah. There's the the economy is, decides to start growing at four percent. Yeah. Like you know, it, it's it's difficult to. Like you said, I like keep your nose to the grindstone, stay disciplined, not get too greedy. And I think that's... And don't knee-jerk so. react to every, like, situation. You know, it, it, former pricing analysts, like, we always were prisoners of the moment every single time and said, well, volumes are down. We need to get... Freight moves freight, guys. So let's go out there and get some more freight on our trucks. And... <laughs> Inevitably, you'll price yourself out of business that way if you if you hold oh, that Oh, just mantra. by like get freight. You know, you'll like you price. We're, we're losing five dollars a load, but let's let's make it up on volumes. But <laughs> it's it's better than losing a hundred percent of your depreciation on your truck or your driver. There is are these quitting. considerations to make. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's tough, and it, you know that's that was one of the yeah. Anyway, anyway, so Martin much smaller than JB Hunt still running a really impressive operation um, again against, um, you know, even compared to a historic year last year. Can I venture this, though? So they are a lot of specialty freight, a lot of reefer freight, a lot of temperature-controlled stuff. Uh, with the weather volatility, maybe they were maximizing some opportunities. That makes a lot of sense, dude. Especially if you think about what the reefer turndowns in the Midwest have been like right. this quarter. Super like, high in like, certain markets. <clears throat> you look at the polar vortex, which, you know, I've got a bunch of broker friends who do a lot of reefer. It it, it killed them, but because because spot prices for reefer went nuts um, in January, but if you're on the carrier side, it's, it's amazing. So that, that might've been part of it. I, I wonder, I mean, it's, well, you know, severe weather can be a headwind for intermodal. It can be a tailwind for uh, temperature controlled. Right. Well, good stuff. Interesting. You know, one, one of the most interesting articles that I read all this week was the 14 pager by Dean Croak, a uh, market expert, man. He is a wealth of knowledge. Love talking to Dean every single time I talk to him. Always learn something often about sleep. Uh, <laughs> but, but in this case, uh, man, he can jam on some flatbed and, um, you know, this, this article that I encourage our readers to read almost just like a, you know, just like a, a, a feature story in a, in a magazine, um, what gets hauled to Vegas stays in Vegas is really cool. Like lots of stuff happening, guys. I, I don't have uh, all the data in front of me, but I'm just like, the, you know, there's all this construction activity happening in Vegas because they want to be, and I find this kind of funny, I find it's like a, a politician statement, but they want to be a recession-proof city. Like and but no but seriously they 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 have studied other cities. It's a that, fantastic concept. It's a I, fantastic fantasy. No, but no. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. So everybody thinks about it as the music city, and uh-huh. you know it actually is relatively recession proof in yeah, terms of opera. Like, and well, you've got just, higher education, you've got healthcare, you've got uh, entertainment. Healthcare is notoriously recession proof. And well, that's why Vegas. It's is... a thing. I get it. I get it. But what's funny to me is like once, like you know, like every few years you hear about how this is the you know Las Vegas is the city that's going to evaporate when you know the Colorado River. You know, it's not climate change proof. No. <laughs> could be, could be yeah. recession proof. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. But you know, I was just out there at the TCA conference. So were you, JP? So is Dean. That's and where a lot of the story came. That's where the story came from. Yeah. And so we saw, man. I mean, the climate's delightful actually and you know and i totally don't get into the uh to the casino thing if i i just don't i just haven't but like i was like there's a lot going on here and And a lot of a lot of construction activity if you looked at the skyline you'd see about 15 16 massive uh tower cranes uh i think part of the the sort of spark of inspiration for this story happened when dean went to this really big truck stop outside of Las Vegas, which is like one of the main, I guess, places to fuel and stuff before you drive across the desert. And he said that there were literally like 
dozens of flatbed trailers full of this really uh, specialty structural steel. And apparently, according to his article, about a third of all of of the steel that they're bringing in for this new uh, Oakland Raider Coliseum, of course, there'll be the <laughs> Las Vegas uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Then um, is coming from Wisconsin, so they have they're they're hauling in. That is a long haul. That's a long, Super long, long ass <laughs> flatbed steel. Uh, steel. That's a heavy analog. Uh, 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 yeah, sti- sti- this, this kind of industrial it's steel. It's a two-day drive. They're bringing in. One of the big problems, though, <laughs> one of the big problems 13. is they're bringing this this stuff in, and then it's a backhaul market still. So they're having to like, you know, look at like, well, okay, great. There's a lot of stuff coming in, but I've got like an A, B, and C opportunity for my backhaul, and if that don't happen, then I'm going like 400 miles to, for my next opportunity. Yeah, I but, think yeah, this and whole backhaul headhaul thing. So the the market itself is consumption-oriented. Not a lot of production coming out of Las Vegas. I think everybody goes there to consume things. I mean, think about it that way. They're going to the casinos. They're going to be tourists. They're going to, you know... Eat, vacation be married. But exactly. one of the re- and just to add real quickly, one of the recession proof aspects is they're also though trying to appeal to the people who actually live there. To, you know, that's that's one of the like they're trying to make Las Vegas more like that. People but. live in Las Vegas? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like people. even after the uh, two thousand and eight, you know, no, are, are thing that happened. Yeah. How do you like, how do you live in Las Vegas? That's gotta be a thing. I, <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't I, mean I, to interrupt yeah. you there. I wouldn't though. survive that long. Either. No. <laughs> it would be <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have already been gone. <laughs> but no, the uh, the fact that it is a consumer market, uh, purely, it is very close to Los Angeles, though, which Relatively. does... Yeah, no, it, it's very close. Like, it's it's a day drive easily, and you can get there and back in a day. No problem in a it? truck. Like, six hours? I'm totally naive on this. I no, know. no it's not even that, dude. It's a f- Is it four? No. I would say it's like two and a half. It's yeah, not it's, close. It's, it's, no, I think it's bad. like a two-hour drive, dude. It's, it couldn't be. Yeah, it just couldn't be. It's not far. Um, that is astounding. Yeah, no. It's the, like Connecticut to New York. Uh, it's not that close, but it's in that vicinity for a trucker. I mean, actually, it's far better for a trucker because it's more open highway than it. I know we can Google these things, but like we're just we're trying to bring it to you right now. <clears throat> four hours and ten minutes. Four okay. hours. All right. Come on. Two hundred seventy miles. Oh, tra- it's longer than two, I thought. Two hours, okay. really, really. Sorry. Well, okay. if you're in a hydro, you know. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. Mr. Market Expert. No, seriously, <laughs> you're saying it's a consumer. It's a consumer market, and they're going to consume a lot more freight than they're going to produce. And that's because nobody's going, there's not a lot of production. There's no manufacturing. I mean, freight hauls material goods. There has to yeah. be some sort of product that they produce. And yet, yeah. that's what Dean was talking about here, is that it's actually going to become even more consumer-oriented as it, the construction materials flow in. But what do they make in Las Vegas? Their main uh, product is entertainment. It's tourism. It's all this other stuff, and even the sports medicine. Sports. Sports medicine and is sports not. Sports medicine. You yeah. can't. You can't put that on a truck. I don't know if you know that. I can't put sports can't put medicine, medicine on a yeah, truck. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. So what, what do I do? So effectively, it's a service economy. The way that I would think about this as a pricing guy is, I would just build that into my rate. Um, I would be moving my truck in there knowing that I'm going to go at minimum, you know, the 267 miles to Los Angeles to go get another load, <laughs> period. Boom, yep. done. Yeah, there you go. All right. Another <laughs> takeaway from what the truck right here. Man, you guys, we're just bringing it, aren't we? It's so fun. Award winning for a reason. Um, <laughs> hey, let's move on to Freight Tech because you know, a lot of things are happening to Freight Tech. And we're a part of it, and I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. No, so Freight Tech <laughs> investment, it surges so far after the first quarter of, of 2019. And we have a lead of, of these four uh, headlines that we've got to kind of run through here. But uh, the very the lead headline is uh, Linda Baker uh, did some coverage of what PitchBook and Freight Waves, they crunched some numbers, and we found out that four of the five largest venture capital deals in the first quarter of 2019 were going to companies that move people or stuff. And, uh, and the other uh, three <coughs> headlines, Vishnu Raja Manikan, Vishnu, our correspondent in Germany, 
covers a lot of the tech stuff and really good coverage. And so we wanted to hit on some of these things. Um, <clears throat> guys, I mean, what is happening in Freight Tech? Is it insane? Is it compared to, like, you want to compare it to FinTech? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that much about FinTech, honestly. Um, <laughs> but well, you, Do you, Zach? I mean, being, being the banking guy? I mean, I wasn't a banker, so... I mean, I was way Being back finance, when. Finance, pricing, yeah. <laughs> market expert no, guy. I think, I I'm think not as up on that. The big, okay. the big takeaway from this study is that the first quarter of 2019 had more, more, more VC money f- flowed into Freytag than in the first half of 2018. So it's, it's already 2x growth, right? Yeah. No, I think everybody's realized that there's a huge... Uh, need there because transportation is notorious for not reinvesting in its product and um, and, and to add the and, and, and greater than uh, the entire year of 2017 yeah no the yeah. the the investment cycle in general is is pretty large right now uh, but at the same time transportation is lagging in terms of technology uh Yes. Um, a lot of these carriers, even brokers to the extent, are working on technology that's 10 years old at minimum. Um, and they're, you know, constantly behind the curve because a lot of the margins don't just don't give them enough cash for them to go out and make an investment in any kind of technology. When, uh, when we were evaluating back in my old life, buying some new software or whatever, we had to make sure that the risk was worth the reward. And for a company that makes 7% margins, there's not a lot of things that are worth the risk because when you go out and implement a new software, there's actually a high percentage that that could put you out of business if your integration does not go accordingly. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. when it comes to billing and pricing things, uh, which was where I was. And we had to turn down a lot of software because there was a 50 to 60% failure rate with integration. It doesn't mean the software was bad. It just means that, in the process of integrating the software in terms of billing cycles, yeah. because like I said, if you don't, going back to your earlier thing on the Wintrust thing where carrier or brokers need enough cash to operate, like carriers operate on very low cash flow in general yeah. uh, relative to their size. Right. right. And so if you miss a day of billing, you've put your cash flow cycle way behind. You may not be able to pay people. Like there's, there's a large risk there. So if that's why you see you walk into some of these carriers and, and brokers and they're operating on this, you know, you look at a green screen. Uh, that's why it's because they've got all this infrastructure built out. Yeah. Well, one of the things uh, that is fascinating about Freytech is simply that and here's a takeaway from this article is that, we, you know, it's growing exponentially faster than even FinTech did, whatever the uh whatever the concomitants that, that, that go into that ingredients mean, uh, it's, it's grown from 118 million to almost 3 billion, uh, in it for, since, you know, like in, in like a very, like five years, yeah. uh, five years, which is a multiple of 25 in yeah, five years, but that makes, times. but that makes sense. I mean, the financial industry, everybody looks to that to, because it's naturally money oriented. Like, they're going to go out and, and look at things that are going to give them the best opportunity. A lot of these software people are going to look at things that are going to give them the best chance for making a lot of money really fast. And the finan- where, where's the first place you look? People that have money. Exactly. Thanks. Or the people that specialize in money. And transportation is way down there at the bottom <laughs> in terms of where... But, but, it's growing of fa- but it, now it's growing faster than exactly. Fintech did. They, um, because there's such a lag, there's such a huge and that must be the explanation. Yeah, to me, that's the explanation. Well, it is the lag. It's this pent up kind of demand exactly. that we're. Yep, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, it's you know it's fragmented. It's there, and, and I, w- I will say this too. That's why it's partly of why I was pent mm-hmm. up. We've seen 24, 25 x growth over the past five years. When you think about how rapidly venture capital backed firms grow that also makes sense when you think about the mature the sort of a maturing vc marketplace right mm-hmm. so you know flexport didn't even exist in 2014 did it did <laughs> and it? when was it when was it uh, it, was founded, it was founded like probably right around that but that yeah time. flexport the uh freight <clears throat> forwarding and, yeah and this year they did a big they did a, a had a billion dollar raise right 
Yep, so, they're leading. They're leading all of so the, the free tech VC funding. The companies that were that were doing Series A in 2014 are now doing Series D, and so and the 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 size of those raises um, is you know, growing, you know, sort of, sort of as one would expect in, in a way. And a couple of like uh, speaking of like some of these like headlines that we covered this week, uh, the on-demand warehousing startup Flowspace raised twelve million dollars in a Series A, which is a standard Series A amount. JP, yeah, like uh, for, for for freight tech, yeah, it's meeting a need, right? In, in uh, what, warehousing space, yeah. So you know we've talked a lot about you know last year we talked a lot about um, tight uh, trucking capacity, but we also talked about tri- uh, tight warehousing capacity. Right, um, you know, the, it's still tight with the explosive growth of e-commerce. Um, you know, utilization warehouse square footage utilization is going up faster than new warehouse uh, space can be built in a lot of not just in the port cities, but really sort of in uh, any any city. I mean, I mean, a prime example is you know, Joliet, Illinois, where they're building warehouses like crazy. And the pe- people that live in the city are actually kind of getting freaked out by it and trying to like slow it down, which and it's not going to. Um, well, that, that, but that real estate is expensive too, so that's one reason why. Yeah, and and what FlowSpace does is it's a sort of a digital marketplace for sourcing on-demand warehouse capacity. There's so, there's got to be a way to and to it's like a, it's like a monthly subscription and you know it's for it's designed for high growth e-commerce retailers that don't know how much space they're going to need they they might have a clue about how much space they need this month they have no clue about how much space they'll need in four months and so this is a service that sources that for them ma- helps them manage their inventories and, and move their product and uh, you know, and, and sort of grow and shrink and grow and shrink in a really dynamic, uh, cost-effective way. That's it's, really cool. It does seem yeah. to me that that would be a way to I- increase one's operating ratio. Yeah, I think I we. Mean, yeah, well, I think we've also entered this space in the uh, in the economic cycle where warehousing. I think a lot of people are. It's it's the perfect storm for warehousing, where we had all this freight come into the country yeah. in 2018, early 2019, and now it's. And then this e-commerce uh, situation, a lot of supply chains are getting redesigned. Um, you're going to have this, you know, DC's closer to the end user type situation that's coming on board. So there's been smaller, but with faster throughput. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's there really is a lot of tech interest in the, the warehouse space, whether it's robotics, whether it's voice yeah. solutions for human pickers, whether it's, you know, just new kinds of of inventory management technology sorting you know track you know tracking like like i know that like ltl companies are looking at uh visibility solutions not just for the tractor which doesn't matter as much (laughs) but the actual pallet yeah and and the parcel it's very expensive Um, right now it's a little cost inefficient cost effective right but you know Eventually, I mean, mm-hmm. eventually, you're, what you're going to do is have a VC-backed company burn through a bunch of money yeah. making something really and selling it for really cheap, right? Well, speaking <laughs> of uh, speaking of automation and efficiency and moving <clears throat> people, in this case, how about Volocopter, the German autonomous air taxi company that's working with Singapore authorities to get these you know, autonomous helicopters or as they we call them you know vertical takeoff and landing vtol air aircraft up and going guys i'm so excited about this what do you think about it no no i'm not excited well, well, why not? <laughs> what, what? You, you do it first chad you, yeah you do it first <laughs> we'll tell well, you like, why oh you mean like you mean what you want me to get into one of these um autonomous like yeah. helicopters first absolutely will and you guys will you guys you film first. it if i do can you can you put your stock options uh, to me in, in your, your, your will? What are you so scared of? I just think like like Come okay on. like helicopters are already like way more dangerous than planes, right? But at least when you're in a helicopter ride, you know that there's a human pilot in there who also wants to live through the experience. Got a motivation, and, oh. and we'll do we'll do everything <laughs> he can do to you know not die. Well, uh, here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing fear. I think that might be a consumer headwind. Um, of these, but I, I, somewhere I want somebody to start efficiently 
Like let's 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 get there. Let's get there. I want Volocopter to have some skin in the game. If I'm getting in this, in this <laughs> copter, dude, I'm, I'm I'm serious. Like it, it does really? it does not appeal to me. I'm gonna be honest. Like there's a, the risk reward okay, thing. We're again. in Chattanooga. We're in, we're in Freight Alley, Chattanooga. Maybe we don't have as much of a need. But if we're in a densely populated area and you want to get somewhere that you know, as and the you're cro- like you're like as the crow flies, you could get there in five minutes. That's gonna take you forty five. For the person, I'm taking me a Volocopter. For the person who says I would rather die than drive through Singapore traffic <laughs> it's, it's for that person because <laughs> you might end up doing that nice okay <laughs> okay well um, anyway I, I don't know what to say to that but, I mean um, it's cool it's cool and all but I mean dude I mean it's I need I need to see this thing happen like yeah, you'll, you a would lot see before, it before me. you got yeah, on. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone's got to take the risk. I'll be a late adopter. Mm-hmm. Well, we couldn't even get high speed rail here between here and Atlanta, so I don't think we're going to be having autonomous helicopters anytime soon. I guess it's something we don't have to worry about. Um, you know, Value Act Capital, another one of our headlines is uh, you know they just believe in in Nikola. Uh, as a game changer in the freight industry. I think (laughs) that's how you pronounce it. Not Nicola, by the way. Um, we, I think we have, we have been covering, uh, Nicola for, for quite some time and we're, we're believers. We're believers too. You know, like we, we dig it. We dig it some hydrogen fuel cell. Um, I think that I dig it from the fact that it seems like it is still a zero emissions game. They're actually making, they're producing things that seem like very real and tangible. They're not having to deal with battery issues. And finally, maybe perhaps most importantly, well, maybe not, but just, just as importantly, uh, their infrastructure seems realistic. Like they've got real plans. So I don't know. Like, is Nikola the, the deal or, or, or what? What do you guys think? I mean, do you think it's the Tesla semi? <laughs> it's tough, man. It's, it's, I'm going to say that it's very, very, very hard to build a brand new OEM of anything. They've been yeah. doing it for years at this stage. Yeah, but they're still, they're still trying to, you know, they're still trying to raise another billion dollars. They've bought yeah, you got to do that. Hundreds of acres, I believe, in Arizona to build a production facility. I mean, they're not really in the game yet. Um, okay, they're not as far Fair enough. You know, so I think it's I think I think it's you know potentially very cool, but I mean it's it's high risk. It's it's a big big uh, get. You know, you know what I'm saying it's, it's if good. if anybody's gonna do it, who's gonna do it other than them? Like it's gonna either be like everything. It's gonna be them or nobody. It's gonna be crash <laughs> and burn. Oh, don't don't use that analogy. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, we're talking. Yeah. It's gonna be. Yeah. Did, you, did you see what happened to the Hindenburg? Yeah, hydrogen and and burning is not great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it is man, the, you guys are really it cautious. Is, it is the most abundant element in, in the man. universe. It is the most abundant element in the universe. No, no, <laughs> it, you can't say that about cobalt. It, it again, it's kind of no. like it's kind of like high upside. But you gotta figure out some basic stuff first. It's, That's what I feel like yeah. they're doing. But, I don't. I mean, I don't like. I'm not. It just. It seems like to me the the battery stuff and the, I, as much as I want that electric stuff to be happening, um, I, I I just I, I'm sad. But the way that they source it, the weight of the batteries, the length of my. It just honestly, even in 20 years, I don't really see the battery. The battery, the the electric battery, doing it. I don't see it. Not for, certainly not for semis. Well, but I could see, I could see these hydrogen fuel cell opportunities. I think, you know, happening. I think, I think these environmentally friendly things are very awesome, idealistically. But there's a reason that we haven't progressed beyond the internal combustion engine, even though technology has moved at far greater rate. <laughs> Uh, right. than, and than it's that not one. because of like the yeah. oil companies. No, it's, oh, it's I know. I there's there's that. infrastructural things there in place, but also the fact that people can't produce a lot of revenue when you have legitimately solved the problem of the resource. Like if there's enough, I mean, there's a lot of water on this planet. <laughs> Um, and hydrogen is a, a big part of, of that. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent is, yeah. you know, salt water. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, guys, this has been an amazing uh, episode. So always so glad to have Zach on, man. He could just f- he could fill up hours <laughs> of with his knowledge. 
Um, it's great to have you on as always. Um, but JP and I are going to try to run the gauntlet with a big deal, little deal, and see if we can pretty much hit this hour mark. So, uh, well, um, JP, are you ready to play? Uh, ready or not, here we go. <laughs> Canada to appeal WTO ruling over U.S. softwood lumber tariffs. Big deal or little deal? I mean, I think it's a little deal. I think I don't think the tariffs are uh, affecting the price of lumber, which which those prices have really fallen off the map, but uh, back below uh, four hundred dollars for a thousand yard feet, so or a thousand random feet. So I think it's. Okay, so you pretty much just destroyed the two-minute thing right there. Okay, (laughs) over 20 years later, Lixt continues to evolve alongside the industry it serves. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. I'm trying, catch, I'm trying to catch this up. up dude. I'm trying Fred, to catch this up. Fred Waves and TIA announced Sonar Data Partnership. Big deal or little deal? I think it's a, I think it's a big deal. I think the brokers have some of the best data in the industry, and it'll be cool to see what our scientists can do with it. Kansas City Southern's first quarter net profit jumped 16%. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal because they are one of the best uh, self-help stories left in railroad. They have the most uh, kind of internal improvements that they can drive. Government watchdogs urge review of underwrite guard requirements. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. It's a part of a long process towards safety improvement and better design for trucks. Record-breaking snow season breaks Sierra Nevada drought. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. We've seen this develop all winter. This There was a lot of participa- <laughs> precipitation, and it's great that such a huge produce market of the U.S. is officially out of drought. E-commerce breeds algorithmic-based pricing conspiracies. Big deal or little? <laughs> the trend is a big deal. Companies are using data to exploit consumers in insidious ways, and there has to be a way to fight back. Manufacturing stalls again, <laughs> capping a disappointing quarter for freight demand. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. There have been a lot of headwinds in the first quarter. It's not a trend until we see how things conclude through the first half of the year. 158. Well done, guys. Booyah. I'll be honest. I didn't think you were going to make it. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it was, we, we had a good recovery. Hey, guys. Great episode. And uh, thanks to Triumph Pay for their uh, sponsorship. It is great to be here. And we will be bringing you everything that you want to hear again about your weekly market playbook next week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the the truck. Truck.